My friends over at serenitynewsletter.com have a special opportunity open to those interested in learning advanced investing techniques in the crypto space. This membership is of the highest quality and is run by a dear friend of mine who happens to manage one of the most successful crypto hedge funds in the world. Crypto is the future, and those who make smart plays now have an opportunity to earn life-changing returns. Go to serenitynewsletter.com to watch a special video presentation now. That's serenitynewsletter.com. We all dream of seeing the world, but the realities of living somewhere outside your place of birth can be daunting to say the least. Welcome to the Expat Money Show, helping you make the most out of your overseas career through conversations with successful expats on investing, entrepreneurship, self-improvement, and continual education, all while sharpening your financial acumen. Now, please welcome your host with over 20 years of overseas experience, Mikkel Thorup. Hey everyone, I am so excited about today's episode and I can't wait to get into it and share it with you. But I just wanted to remind you before we get going today to visit expatmoneyshow.com and sign up for my private newsletter, EMS Pulse. Right now we are sharing the weekly episodes from the podcast, but also a ton of other products and services that we're gonna be offering, lots of language programs, lots of tips and tricks for being an expat, whether you're a first time expat or an expat hopeful. There's just so much going on at expatmoneyshow.com. I really hope that you get a chance to come and visit us, join the newsletter, and then from there, maybe join our Facebook group at expatmoneyforum.com. Lots happening. I really wanna share it with you guys and the best way to stay connected is through these two sites, expatmoneyshow.com and expatmoneyforum.com. Thanks so much, enjoy today's episode, cheers. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mikkel Thorpe. This is the Expat Money Show, and today's guest is one of the four managing partners in Incrementum AG, an independent investment and asset management company based in Liechtenstein. They specialize in a holistic form of asset management and professional portfolio management for retail investors. Along with his partner, Mark Valak, they have created an annual gold report in Gold We Trust, which is the gold standard of all gold study. And please welcome to the show, Ronald Stürfele. Ronnie, how are you doing? <laughs> Hi, Mikael. Thanks for having me. And you pronounced Stöffele almost perfect. It's yeah. Thank you very much. I had to uh, I had to practice a couple of times. You'll have to per- you'll have to forgive my Canadian accent. <laughs> so, Ronnie, why don't you take a couple minutes and kind of walk us through your backstory? How did you get working in gold and and with Austrian School of Economics? I'm really interested to hear a bit about your life and your story. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um. Yeah, I, I am Austrian, um, so I am kind of an Austrian-Austrian. Uh, I grew up in Vienna, was always interested in, in in equities, in the stock markets, in commodity markets, so I bought my first stocks when I was 13. I lived through the dot-com bubble, then... Um, uh, then basically started started studying finance and economics. Didn't learn anything about the markets there, but I always worked part-time at different banks, the brokerage houses and so on. Um, and basically in 2008, when I already worked full-time at a bank as an analyst, um, I, 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 I came across the Austrian School of Economics for the first time. Because... Um, 
Well, I started writing about gold in 2007 because I invested in a mining stock that did tremendously well. So I went to my boss and said, um, you know, I'm, I, I'd love to start writing about gold. Can you give me some time uh, to prepare a special report on gold? And yeah, that's, that was like the, the birth of the first In Gold We Trust report, which was very, very um, basic and, and uh, yeah, kind of naive. Because it only explains the supply-demand picture of gold. Um, but then at some point, I, I started really getting uh, sucked in to the topic because uh, I realized at some point that gold is about everything. It's about our society. It's about history. It's about monetary history, of course. It's about um, politics, geopolitics. It's about finance. Um, and then I realized, okay, um, I should start reading like everything that I, that I can get about hyperinflations, about currency reforms. And then, uh, in 2008, I found this brilliant quote by Ludwig von Mises. Uh, and I just Googled this, this, this old fellow and I realized that there is something like the Austrian school of economics. Now, of course, this is not taught at all in Vienna at the university um, because Austria tends to be a bit more of a welfare state, very uh, socialist sometimes. Uh, and it's, uh, yeah, this, this, uh, this wonderful um, heritage of the Austrian uh, economists, Ludwig von Mises, but also Hayek, Menger, Böhm Barwerk, they're not taught at all and nobody basically knows them over here. So, yeah, uh, that was like the point when I said, okay, uh, I really have to uh, order all the books that I can find. I have to read everything. I have to meet people that know the Austrian school. And that was basically the, the moment when I really um, extensively started uh, writing uh, the In Gold We Trust report. And as you know, uh, last year we published the 12th. Uh, edition of the In Gold We Trust report, we reached an all-time high, not in terms of prices, but in terms of the the length. So it was, uh, I think, 230 pages research about gold, about mining stocks, about inflation, uh, about all different angles that are important for the price of gold. And yeah, that's that's kind of my my background. And in 2012. I quitted my job because many people said, you know, being an Austrian and the gold uh, buck sitting in a bank that must feel like the vegetarian in the butchery. And then I said, okay, I want to set up my own company. And um, we um, started, we set up this company with uh, two gentlemen from Switzerland and we met in the middle in Liechtenstein, which is kind of a... <laughs> Yeah, uh, a very libertarian uh, country. It's very, very small, 35,000 people living there. Um, the Liechtenstein family uh, knows the Austrian school very well. So it is actually within Europe, it's as good as it can, as it gets from a libertarian point of view. And yeah, that's my my story in a nutshell. Well, I definitely want to get into the report itself, but I want to backtrack a little bit. So... I find it so interesting that you're Austrian, you grew up in Austria, but you actually didn't know anything about the Austrian School of Economics till much later on. Because 
when you start reading about gold and, and these types of things and anarchy and libertarianism and living overseas and, and real assets, Austrian School of Economics is, is super famous. Like the, it comes up every single day. So I just find that so amazing that it's not actually taught um, day one in school when you're going to college or going to university uh, in business school. Uh, that's so bizarre to me. It is bizarre, uh, of course, if you have our view. Um, but I think when it comes to uh, economic professors, they they um, they just love their very very complex models. They uh, love their um, mathematical models and adding more parameters to their models. And then at some point, um, they realize that those models just don't work within a crisis. And 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 I think for for those Ivy League PhD um, uh, economists. The Austrian School of Economics is, is something kind of primitive because it basically goes back to, um, to human action and, 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 and to the motivation and the, um, means for one individual person. So, um, the Austrian School doesn't really care about those big aggregates like the GDP, for example. I mean, the gross domestic product, if I crash my car, um, five times a week that actually increases GDP, but does it really, really improve our, um, our wealth or, 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 or the structure of our capital? I would disagree. The Austrian school also says that inflation is an increase of the money supply and everything else just follows. Rising prices, rises asset prices are only a consequence of our, uh, of, 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 of an increase in the money supply. So, I think the beauty of the Austrian school is first of all that it's uh it's 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 very simple. Um actually many many businessmen um they 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 don't care about economics and if I explain like the 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 basic fundamentals the basic premises of the Austrian school is I totally agree that's what I always thought. And, the, and so 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 many people are intuitively I would say Austrian economists and the second thing that I really like is um, that the Austrian school, um, I think Hayek said, um, uh, uh, only very, very uh, weak or poor economists are only economics, economists because the great economists, they know about uh, uh, a multitude of different areas like philosophy, history, of course, natural sciences, um, business uh, administration. Uh, and so on. So, so most of the people that I meet, um, from this Austrian scene, um, have got many, many different interesting angles and interests. And that's what I like so much. On the other hand, uh, as, as, as you said, um, the fact that it's not taught at all over here is probably a consequence of, you know, um, yeah, the, the Western world that is, um, very much of a, of a welfare state. If you travel to Poland, for example, I, I held a lecture in Poland at a conference last year. Um, people know Hayek. They know Mises very, very well. If you go to Czech Republic, if you go to Romania, all those former socialist countries, um, uh, that know how socialism feels. They've got much, much more interest in the Austrian School of Economics and those libertarian views than people in the Western world where 
everything is at least for now still still fine on the surface. So maybe it would be helpful for my listeners give a very very brief overview of Austrian economics and then why it relates itself so well to say gold, silver, precious metals, things like this. Well, um, first of all, I, I would say that um, the Austrian school of economics, when it comes to investing, and this is um, uh, a point that many people got wrong um, in the last couple of years, because in 2008, after the great financial crisis, um, I, I think there was some sort of a renaissance of the Austrian school of economics. Many people started reading uh, uh, about the Austrian school, started studying the Austrian school, um, and many also from the gold scene um, thought, okay, gold bucks equals uh, followers of the Austrian school of economics and will lead to um, excellent results for investors. From my point of view, and, and we wrote the book about the Austrian school for investors, from my point of view, uh, knowing the Austrian school doesn't necessarily make you a better investor, but it gives you another very, very important tool for your toolbox. And I think this tool is basically understanding the interplay between inflation and deflation. So from my point of view, we're not in a cyclical crisis at the moment. We're in a systemic crisis, in a uh, crisis of our monetary system. And if you want to go back to the the, the root causes uh, of this problem and, and many problems that we're facing at the moment, you will probably end up on 15th of August in 1971 when Richard Nixon um, <laughs> temporarily abandoned um, 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 uh, the gold backing of the U.S. dollar. So from my point of view, it's, it's important to really understand the system and not only analyze the symptoms that we're seeing. And this is one of the beauties of the Austrian school, that it's, it's the only school compared to monetarists and Keynesians that really wants to explain the big picture, the, 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 the systemic flaws that we're seeing in our monetary system. So most of the charts that we are publishing in our In Gold with Trust reports, they start um, in 1971 or, or even earlier because this was the point um, when a new era of our monetary system started. And from my point of view, this era is um, probably gonna gonna end in the next couple of years. It will not be the end of of of, of the world. Um, there 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 are still plenty of uh, uh, entrepreneurial uh, spirits. There's um, lots of capital uh, that is not wasted yet. Although we're basically eating up our capital structure, um, but if you study history. Monetary reforms uh, happen every couple of decades. So, so from my point of view, the next crisis won't be just a financial crisis. It will be a crisis of our monetary system. And within such a crisis and or within the transition phase um, from one system to another, gold always played a major, major role. Okay, so 1971, Nixon dissolves the Bretton Woods um, Agreement. 
you said temporarily take us off the gold standard. Dig into that for a, a little bit because that's that's like a little hook there that I really want to hear more about your opinion. You think that we will return to the gold standard? How do you think that things will work? Well, um, I, I I really have to urge uh, all uh, your listeners to to um, look up the the speech by Richard Nixon on YouTube. Um, you can find it very easily. Um, it's just pure propaganda, and of course, Nixon blames the the evil international money speculators that um, uh, and says that for the average American, it doesn't have any consequences if at least temporarily um, the gold backing of the U.S. dollars is um, uh, is stopped. Um, but of course, it has massive consequences. Uh, the 1970s were highly stagflationary environment so we had very very low growth we had a, a recession but we had very very high price inflation and on the other hand of course if you if you have a look at uh debt situation uh fiscal deficits and so on everything basically started in 1971 because from that point on um this big monetary experiment just started this 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 experiment of basically global fiat money. So um, from my point of view, uh, I think there's a good reason why all the important um, central banks all over the globe still hold gold. Um, there's, of course, the U.S. still holding 8,100 tons. Of course, there's rumors or conspiracy theories that it's not there anymore. I, I don't think so. You don't think that the rumors are true about it being gone or you don't think that it's there? No, I think it's, it's, it's there. I mean, uh, uh, I, I think that's, I think I, I, I've never really read good or convincing comments or, 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 or points that, um, that casted any doubts that the gold is still there. The Eurozone holds more than 10,000 tons of gold. Um, and actually when the Euro was introduced, it was really, uh, one of the main messages of, of the whole, uh, PR campaign saying or creating trust in the new currency. They said, okay, we've got more than 10,000 tons of gold. This is some sort of the backing of this new um, currency called euro. Then, of course, the Russians are buying uh, gold every month. The Chinese just said that they increased their gold reserves. Uh, countries like Kazakhstan, I, I've been there um, last year. They um, They permanently buy gold. Um, the IMF holds more than 3,000 tons of gold. And I think our advisory board member, Jim Ricketts, he, he perfectly explains um, the big picture. He says, if you want to play poker with the big guys, you got to bring chips to the table, and those chips are golden. So from my point of view, all the important central banks, the all-important countries, they own gold. They constantly buy gold. Um, in the Western world, on average, we've got 20% of our reserves are in gold for emerging markets it's at the moment only 1.9 percent but it's increasing so i think that sooner or later there will be a monetary reset this will not be the end of the world as i've said before but in this transition phase gold will definitely play a major major role well that's super interesting and i would love to see gold go the way that 
we're talking about right now. But I just have this, I don't know if it's a fear or a concern or or what it is in the back of my head, but I just don't imagine that politicians and people and central bankers and the people who basically run planet Earth are going to let something like that happen. They've they've waged a war on cash. We have no more cash. Our cash is worthless. Um, they've turned on the printing presses whenever they want. They print dollars like it's going out of fashion. And through that, they have an amazing amount of control. By going back to a gold standard, they would lose pretty much all of that control. And I, even though it might be the right thing to do and it might be the solution to problems... I just find it difficult that they would ever relinquish that type of power. Yeah, well, well, I don't necessarily think that there will be a typical or a classical gold standard because actually during history, like the, the, the there were many, many, many different forms of, of, of gold standards, but the classical gold standard um, that we've had until 1914, basically, uh, which was it was also kind of called the, the golden era. Um, 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 uh, Stefan Zweig brilliantly describes this time in his fantastic book, the, the World of Yesterday. It's 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 really one of my very favorite books because it 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 it, it brilliantly shows what 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 war and especially the hyperinflation uh, in Austria and in Germany did to our societies and 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 what 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 horrible consequences hyperinflation has and that it uh, leads to wars and so on so um this is definitely a book recommendation i have to make the world of yesterday by stefan zweig um so the the the, the, the times of the classical gold standard I, I i don't think that they're gonna come back but i think that you know um, if there would be some sort of a revaluation to to five thousand to ten thousand uh, dollars per ounce, that would definitely um, have enormous positive positive consequences for for many countries. Um, we we are running running the numbers uh, in our reports. Uh, we've had that in the two thousand seventeen and two thousand sixteen reports. Um, what a revaluation uh, would mean and what 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 price levels we actually would need and actually such a revaluation if that that's only if, if you um see it from the other side that's just a devaluation of of paper money against gold because from my point of view gold is is constant and not the gold price is rising it's rather the purchasing power of fiat money that is falling and from my point of view um the fact that um that people always Think that rising equity markets or rising real estate markets are something positive. You can discuss it because it also means that your purchasing power relative to real estate or to stocks is permanently falling. So, um, from my point of view, gold is basically in the in the center of our of our system, and it's just it's other other asset classes and currencies are revaluating um, permanent permanently against this golden constant which which kind of measures uh purchasing power um of course the, the question that you asked it also kind of leads um to to the question okay if if there would be some sort of a revaluation um wouldn't they try to uh, ban gold the physical possession of gold um or if perhaps they might heavily tax it 
um of course um um we've we've had that in in history uh, a couple of times actually there was one of the first um um measures by hitler and also by mussolini and stalin that they um forbid um physical uh possession of, of gold for, for private individuals. Um, but I think nowadays that's even tougher and we should not forget every time that gold was, was forbidden, uh, it still had an official monetary value. Um, at the moment it doesn't. Uh, there is no official um, uh, link between fiat money and gold. So therefore, I, I am not 100% convinced by the argument that, that there might be a gold ban. But of course, we cannot rule it out. And I think nobody would have expected a couple of years ago that uh, we would see uh, negative interest rates in a couple of countries, um, that we would see massive quantitative easing experiments by basically all the major central banks um, nobody would have expected that Donald Trump would become U.S. president. So um, <laughs> there's this. Uh, this is also one of the, I, I think, one of the the the, the main um, differences of the Austrian school of economics. It's it's very very modest when it comes to to forecasts. So um, the Austrian school doesn't really make any 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 bold forecasts uh it just can analyze the past uh and the present and and come to some sort of conclusions but it, we we could never say okay this is going to happen by i don't know fall 2022 whatever um because you know um we should not underestimate um 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 all the different forces that are permanently at work um the, the entrepreneurial spirit that that that's still around despite all the um the problems that we're having there's brilliant uh, innovators out there um trying to create products to create solutions of course cryptocurrencies are, are one of those um, of those innovations that nobody would have expected, but it was basically, um, um, uh, invented because of the 2008 great financial crisis. I think that was one of the, um, uh, the main catalysts for cryptocurrencies. So, um, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very positive when it comes to the longer term picture because, um, I think that, um, the ultimate resource, and that's also a great book by Julian Simon. The ultimate resource is in between uh, our ears. So um, when when push comes to to shove, um, I think the ultimate resource, our brain power, our will to innovate, is 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 coming. So that makes me for the for the long term very 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 optimistic. Well, I was re I was listening to an interview with you this morning. Actually, I was just kind of brushing up on some of the things that you do. And when cryptocurrency came up, the, the topic of cryptocurrency, you mentioned how happy you were to see young people actually discussing money again. And I, I listened to that and I was like, well, that's absolutely true. You know, I'm an expat. I travel around the world. I've been to more than 100 countries. I've been overseas for 20 years. But I'm, I work at that crossroads between the, the travel and living abroad and the financial side. And I'm 35 years old. And these topics, they fascinate me. And you're right, with the cryptocurrency, you saw thousands and hundreds of thousands of people really starting to discuss money and monetary and economics and, and policy 
which I never saw growing up, and, and I would think a lot of people would agree with me, it was just not something we talked about. Like, we were always taught, yeah. you never speak about money. Like, that's that was my father's voice. You never speak about money. But those things are really changing. So I think that really lends to what you're saying now today again. We're just going to pause for a second on the interview because I want to tell you about this special resource that I have for you. It's called 19 International Strategies to Grow and Protect Your Wealth Abroad. It is a PDF downloadable report and you're going to find it at expatmoneyshow.com. Okay, why do I want to tell you about this? Well, it is an amazing resource for anyone out there who is looking to go offshore to become an expat, expat hopefuls. If you're looking at immigration or plan B residencies or any of these types of things that we talk about on the show, this really condenses the information into really easy to understand. And then from there, it gives you all the resources, links to the additional resources or who you can work with, the professionals involved in this. So I've had some amazing feedback on this and I want to give it to you free, 100% free. All you need to do is go to expatmoneyshow.com and at the very top of the page, you will see the special report. You can sign up. There's no credit card needed. There's no nothing like that. I just want you to have this resource because I think it's really important and I think it's going to really serve you well. So enjoy. Go to expatmoneyshow.com, download your free special report, and let's jump back into today's interview. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, the, the, the whole crypto um, uh, uh, ecosystem or the whole crypto scene. I think it's um, for, for me. It's 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 really interesting to see because, uh, of course, there 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 there's many many uh, young, sometimes a bit naive people that just want to 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 change the world and to um, yeah yeah. Uh, deliver really good products and and make a shitload of money and that's that's totally fine but i've also seen some really really weird business models and and proposals and pitches yeah <laughs> you, you 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 cannot you won't believe what what i've seen in the last couple of months um that was uh that they tried to sell us really really crazy ideas um uh, Artificial intelligence bartenders and one one other guy said he's got the revolution in uh, in, in 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 sex toys um, based on the blockchain. So <laughs> it's really really kind of weird stuff. But you know what? People need to go out there, and especially young entrepreneurs, they need to go out there and they need to make mistakes and they need to try things. And you know, you can't expect to hit a home run every time at bat, like. Yes, I have a successful business that runs right now and, and it does very well. This is not my first business. You know, I must have had seven failed businesses with dumb ideas. Maybe I didn't try, you know, blockchain sex robots, but still, like, you have to go out there and you got to attempt things. It's it's the people who don't attempt anything, who don't try anything. Those are the ones I feel sorry for, that I, I, I worry about. Absolutely, um, because failing nowadays, especially in the Western world, I think in, in the U.S. it's a bit different, but... but Failing is uh, is something um, that that many people are scared of, and and of course uh, when it comes to setting up businesses, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, in many many countries, um, it's 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 super complicated. Um, uh, there's so much administrational stuff you have to deal with, um, but still, I, I I think that you know, um, capital always goes where it's uh, treated best. 
And, and what I can see is that many, many friends of mine, um, they're leaving their home countries, going to Singapore, for example, going to Hong Kong, uh, also to Switzerland, to Liechtenstein. Um, they're just moving to other parts of, of, of the world where they're treated better as, as entrepreneurs and as, as businessmen and as investors. And that's, uh, how it should be like, but but I, I think that many countries don't realize that this is actually a big threat, and it's it's not only about uh, when it comes to capital. That's also something that the Austrian school I think describes much better than other schools of thought. Capital isn't 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 the same like money. I think capital is is our um, um you know our skill set um. Is, is also our, our network, our friends, our families. That's also capital. And, uh, and, and actually when, when millionaires are leaving a country, that's not only about the money, but it's also about the entrepreneurial spirit, the connections, the ideas, the experience that leaves the country. So from my point of view, that's, that's very concerning for a country when, when, uh, when, 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 uh, successful people actually leave the countries um coming back to to crypto i think you know um as i've said in the previous interview uh, it is fantastic that young people um discuss money again is 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 gold money is bitcoin money is is the us dollar um better or worse money than bitcoin or gold that's an extremely important discussion that we have to um that we have to uh, uh make uh, and on the other hand, I, I think that, as we wrote in, in our last In Gold We Trust report, um, I think that gold and crypto, um, to some extent, are pretty similar because they've got both Bitcoin and gold have got a very, very high stock-to-flow ratio. I think it's no coincidence that actually Bitcoins are mined like gold, that the, the logo of Bitcoin is actually a gold coin. Um, I think it's uh, no coincidence that um, uh, the inventors of, 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 of Bitcoin referred to the, the, the thoughts of the Austrian School of Economics, especially to Menge and Mises quite often. So um, I, I think that for, for people understanding gold and therefore probably also understanding fiat money, it's much easier to come to the conclusion that cryptos also makes sense. And this is the reason why, um, last year or, or basically already in 2017, um, we said, okay, um, from now on, we also want to publish a quarterly crypto research report where we analyze the crypto markets, the most important developments, um, regarding cryptos on a, on a quarterly basis. And we, we, we build up a great team. Um, the Melsa Hayes and Mark Wallach are doing that. So, from my point of view, um, crypto and gold, they're not enemies. They go hand in hand. They're anti-government money. And they're some sort of monetary insurances from, from the, the dangers that our monetary system, our fiat money system um, um, poses. I've not had a chance to read any of your work on cryptocurrencies, but I have read In Gold We Trust, and it is about as comprehensive as I could possibly imagine. Can you dig into it a little bit for me and explain to the listeners um, what it is you write about specifically in the Gold Report and and your outlook maybe a couple of years in the future, five years, 10 years, and what your um, expectations might be for Gold? Well, um, <laughs> uh, 
followers or readers of our In Goldrich First Reports, they know that, um, yeah, they, they tend to be quite, quite, quite lengthy. It's actually, it's a book that I'm writing, uh, together with my team every year. Um, we publish more than 2000 pages of research about, about gold. And, and, and it's, as you've said at the beginning, it's, it's, we try to deliver this holistic view. So we analyze, um, not only gold itself, but also, of course, other currencies, the opportunity costs, for example, equity markets, real estate markets. We talk about possible crisis triggers and catalysts. We talk about the portfolio characteristics of gold. From my point of view, we're not die-hard gold bucks, but we just see that gold makes sense as some sort of a portfolio insurance. So in our wealth management department, of course, uh, we hold gold, but we also hold Swiss equities, some some high-quality bonds, uh, alternative assets. I think our gold allocation is higher than for for other investors but it's not um it's not we're not 100 percent long gold and mining stocks for example um then we talk about uh recession risks that are uh, increasing we're talking about this de-dollarization trend so the the whole world is actually um slowly but gradually diversifying out of the u.s dollar uh in december i w- was in shanghai invited as a keynote speaker at a conference and you can tell that you know the chinese really know their gold pretty well they know what's going on they want to de-dollarize uh so so get rid of their u.s dollar holdings want to diversify um, 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 their currency exposure. Um, so the de-dollarization is actually very, very big long-term trend. Then we're writing about financial repression, uh, inflation versus deflation. At the moment, uh, I think deflationary pressure is increasing. And this also leads me to the conclusion that um, 2019 will probably become very, very, let's say, interesting. Uh, and uh, we already seen that the last couple of weeks. Um, then we talk about um, uh, cryptocurrencies, but also precious metal shares. Um, I really like mining stocks, uh, uh, especially at the moment. Um, we just um, um, agreed on a great cooperation with a uh, um, uh, fund manager that is only doing mining stocks. So uh, we, we really like mining stocks, gold and silver mining stocks at the moment. Um, yeah, that's that's it basically. Um, but there's not only the, the extended version, which is 230 pages, but there's also a compact version of the report, uh, which is a bit smaller. If you don't want to spend like two days just reading the report, just want to get a brief overview, then there's the compact version. We've got the report in German and in English and starting 2019 also in Chinese or in, in, in Mandarin. Well, it's interesting that you've mentioned China. So for any of my listeners who've been listening to the show for any length of time, they know I'm quite a bull with China. My wife is from China. We own a bunch of real estate there. I would love to hear about your experiences traveling to China and speaking over there and visiting Shanghai and your opinions of possibly where China is heading. Because I when I start doing a lot of research on gold, it seems quite apparent that they are stockpiling um, ex- extra gold and possibly not letting the rest of the world know that they're doing this. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that's 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 basically a, a, an open secret that, that 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 China holds much more gold than officially uh, published. Everybody knows that. 
Um, but it's also well known that uh, the Chinese tend to be a bit of a um, they, they've got some sort of a gambling mentality, so so they really uh, like volatility. For them, at the moment, gold is a bit too boring, I would say. Um, so so they they like cryptocurrencies at the moment. Re- everything is all about real estate. Um, stock market has cooled off dramatically. So I think at some point, uh, China will become interested in gold again, but probably um, after it has. Uh, uh, Increased in prices and, 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 and gained some momentum boost. But China is not only the biggest gold producer, it's also, um, next to, to India, basically the biggest, uh, gold consumer still at the moment. So it's, it's, it's a terrific market. Um, just to give you one number, um, um, as you know, there's the Shanghai Gold Exchange, but last year in 2018, they also established the Shanghai Oil Exchange. So um, there is an oil future trading now in Shanghai in renminbi terms. So you don't have to buy U.S. dollars anymore to buy oil. And 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 as you know, oil is by far the biggest commodity um, that is traded all over the globe. And Shanghai already has a market share of 15% after a couple of months, which is it's really astounding and it, it, it shows you um, what's going on um, behind the curtains and 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 and, and that's that's really an, another great sign of this de-dollarization. Um, well coming back to the conference uh, it's it's been a been a great conference I I think that actually Shanghai is of course it's not China it's 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 like uh, New York it, isn't the same like uh, the rest of the US, of course. But Shanghai is, you know, it's super modern. It's uh, extremely um, interesting to talk to businessmen there. I sometimes get the feeling that China is actually much more um, capitalist um, than, than the Western world. Um, I think that um, the long-term outlook for China is excellent. But everybody says that at the moment it's it's tough. Um, and we can see that not only from official numbers that are coming in slightly weaker, um, but you can see it from the, I would say, China proxies like um, the Australian dollar, real estate prices in, in, in Australia, but also in, in, in Vancouver, for example, that were both markets that were heavily driven by, by Chinese investors. We can tell from uh, industrial metals and the commodity complex in general, that that Chinese demand is kind of leveling off, but I think for 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 the longer term, um, I'm I'm extremely positive, extremely optimistic about uh, uh, China, also because of time preference. Uh, time preference is also something that the Austrian School of Economics um, emphasizes. Um, you have to have a really long term. Um, time a uh, uh, low time preference to so really think long term um, if you want to achieve something if you want to build up a solid business a solid family whatever um, you have to think long term and <laughs> for example that's just just a, it might sound like a like a like a stupid example but I think is um, many of your listeners will will confirm this view isn't it interesting that um, that you. Seeing basically 
so many people nowadays having tattoos and not only one tattoos but several tattoos um that's like a very very big trend and um i don't have any tattoos and i don't uh and, and for me it's totally okay but after 10 years every tattoo i'm sorry looks shit it looks horrible and i, I think after 20 years um you just want to get rid of it but this shows you that people have got a very very high time preference they don't care about what's going on in 10 years or in 20 years they want um um uh, instant gratification um they want to to experience everything now and and this is also the reason and you're seeing it in many many different areas i just tweeted out a chart about um how many people go into debt just to go on vacation i mean that's that's uh, i think if, if 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 i don't have the money i don't go on vacation i stay home and i and i and i work to save some money but those are all signs that at the moment uh in the western world we've got a very very high time preference and in china it seems that the time preference is much lower of course also for for the politicians they don't have to care about you know um regional elections they don't have to care about midterm election presidential elections um uh, european elections whatsoever they can stick to the long term plans like this china 2025 initiative which is really interesting um so so that for the long term it really gave me a very very positive impression outlook for china and i have to say i i i love the food i love the people very hard working people very friendly um so so i i really urge everybody to 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 travel the world um to see things with their own eyes to feel things to smell things to talk to people um and that will definitely give you um a different view not only as an investor but also as a human being and and you will i think uh traveling it just uh, changes your mind and and it's probably one of the most important things that that everybody especially young people um should do well i agree with that wholeheartedly and it's quite interesting some of the observations you've made about china because i i i agree with you on many points even i think it was 2 days ago or 3 days ago i was sitting around having dinner with my wife and my mom my mom lives over here in the middle east with me she takes care of my daughter and there's always this thing between my mom and my daughter because they don't necessarily understand each other all that well so because i've been to china 30 40 times and you know i speak quite a good quite a um a good amount of chinese and understand the culture and the food and things like this i get it a little bit more so we're sitting at dinner and we're trying to i'm trying to explain to my mom some of the major differences between china and say the west say the united states and basically the things that come up are that in the west we're quite a debtor nation and in china they don't have the same type of mentality like i asked my wife a hypothetical question if someone doesn't have money to buy something what do they do she's like well not buy it my mom's like well they use their credit card you know they take a loan like these these fundamental things and and often we we think that it's generational we believe that okay the millennials have this type of point of view but my wife is a millennial and she doesn't have this type of view and and a billion other chinese they don't have this type of view so it's not actually age a lot of times it's cultural and when my daughter was born two and a half years ago what did she get as presents she got presents of gold like gold jewelry gold necklaces gold not bangles like the indian style but chinese style you know and that was the type of presents that she got 
And I think that these types of cultural differences are really, really fascinating and, and really do tie into exactly what we're talking about with the world economic view and the gold policies and the monetary policies and what we're seeing on planet Earth. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, um, I, I think that it is no coincidence. Every Everywhere you go, every every culture, every country, every continent, and every religion came to the conclusion that gold is something special. And that's, that's no coincidence. It's been a, um, basically a trial and error process, um, uh, about for, for, for centuries, for, 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 for ages, um, where people tried, okay, what, what's the best money? Is it, is it, um, I don't know, goat skin? Is it, is it salt? Is it shells or? Yeah, shells or is it, is it gold or silver? Or is it is it paper? And I think it's it's no coincidence, as I've said. Everywhere you go, if you go to a to a Hindu temple, if you go to a mosque, if you go to a uh, a Catholic church, it's it's always full of gold because gold is something something special, something uh really really precious. And 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 that's that's also the fascination that I have with gold. It's it's something. Extremely conservative, uh, it's something extremely solid and, 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 and over here in, in Austria, we say, um, uh, talent is einem in die Wiege gelegt. Um, uh, and basically, uh, that, that means that, um, for the, um, how do you say, for the, for the baptism, um, you, uh, the, the babies get, uh, gold coins. And back in the days, those, those, um, um, those coins in Roman times, they were the, the talents, the talents, yeah, uh, was the name of those coins. Um, so, 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 so there are many, many, uh, cultural and historical, um, examples that clearly show you that, that gold is something that is, um, in our let's say monetary dna and it is really a major thing of our of our past of our present and also probably of, of our future and that makes it for me and i'm <laughs> i would say i'm i'm a bit nerdy when it comes to those topics that often become very philosophical but that makes it so special for me because it's it's about trying to understand everything um history society politics and then come to some sort of a conclusion. Well, that's very interesting. And and I don't want this to turn too much into an esoteric discussion, but there really is something magical about gold. It's just when you hold it in your hands, and, and if any of my followers who are on social media, they know when I visited Singapore and I've got a, you know, a 10 kilo or 12 kilo brick of gold in my hand, like that's just cool. Like you can't deny that, you know, like the thing's worth, half a million dollars and you're holding it in your hand and it's tangible and you can you can see it and feel it and it it doesn't rot and like like it's magical go there's just something special about gold that i've never gotten the feel of holding like what do i do after i hold a dollar bill if i if i go and pay something with cash the first thing i want to do is i wash my hands I wash my hands. You know, I didn't do that with gold. We had a shipment of gold come to the house um, about a week or two ago. And, you know, it was sitting on the dresser or something like that. My wife came home and she saw it and she's holding it. And she's like, I was like, it's beautiful, isn't it? She's like, yes, it's very beautiful. And it's like, you don't get that feeling with other types of 
financial instruments or money or monetary or anything, even Bitcoin. I'm sorry, I don't get it. It's like I I own lots of it, and I think it's I think the concepts and the philosophy and everything like that are really fascinating, and I put my money into it, but it doesn't give me that feeling that gold does. If you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I I don't know if if if, if Bitcoin will have any purchasing power in uh, 10, 20, 100 years. I, I really don't know because there's probably going to be uh, lots of innovations and in improvements, but I know that gold will have a purchasing power in 10, 20, 100 years. And I, and I actually, that's, that's something that um, John Maldin said, uh, that the best thing would be if, if, if he would be able to inherit his, his gold holdings to his kin. Uh, children and his uh, grandchildren actually you know i'm i'm a bit uh, a bit ahead of you because i've got three daughters um so so actually uh, i think that would be the best thing if i would never have to um really use um my my physical gold as a some sort of a crisis hedge because from my point of view it's 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 really important to um to differentiate because people often say okay uh, I want to buy gold now because I expect the whole world to go down and to see a uh, hyperinflation, uh, whatever. Which ETF or which certificates, uh, would you recommend? And I say that's, that's nonsense. If you really want to hedge for some extreme events, you want, um, to have as little counterparty risk as possible. You want to hold physical gold. But if you say, okay, from my point of view, the price of gold is is too low. I see rising prices. Um, then, of course, uh, you can buy different different uh, instruments like mining stocks. You can buy. Um, you can make like uh, leverage plays with futures, options, whatever. But I think it's important to ask yourself: What is my motivation? Why do I want to hold gold? Do I want to to make a decent performance, or do I really want to hedge against extreme events? That's important. And I hope that we're never gonna need um, the hedge for those extreme events. Um, having a look at the numbers and the uh, geopolitical tendencies at the moment, and those desperate um, measures taken by central bankers and politicians, um, yeah, it makes me quite worried, uh, and and that leads me to the conclusion that you should, of course. Uh, be heavily insured at the moment via gold, for example. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that 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 the purchasing power, and that's what we're also, uh, you know, I I want uh, my my readers uh, of the report also to enjoy that time to to learn um, from 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 what they're reading in the report. So we always got this gold to beer ratio um, showing you um, the inflation at the Munich Oktoberfest where you can buy this one mass, one liter of, 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 of beer and actually prices rise between 5 to 7% every year. So we said okay, we just want to run the numbers. Uh, does gold kind of secure your purchasing power at the Oktoberfest? And of course, uh, yeah, um, your purchasing power was was actually pretty pretty stable, not hundred percent stable, of course, um, but uh, it secured your purchasing power and it secured you from from permanent inflation. And we 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 did the same with admission tickets to Disneyland with Coca Cola, 
um, bottles with Hershey, milk bars with cars, whatever. And it just shows you that over the long term, gold is a, is a, is a, is a great hedge against uh, uh, inflation in, in fiat money. Well, I love how you use real life examples, things that people can actually put in to play in their own mind, like they can understand in their own minds how this works. Because sometimes it's very difficult when we're talking about, you know, the governments and nations and stuff like that. And this nation owns 300 or sorry, 3000 tons of gold. And this one, those types of ideas, for most people, I would say, it's very difficult to understand. But when you start explaining um, economics and inflation and things versus a ticket to Disney World or to go and buy a beer, that brings it much back. Or that brings it back down to earth, which I really respect. Absolutely, 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 and that's always why uh, you know uh, at my presentation I always bring a an ounce of uh, an ounce of gold, one beautiful Philharmonic gold coin, and I just ask people um, how much how much rock do you have to process and do you have to move and mine um, to to get one ounce of this uh, uh, of gold. And as you know, at the moment, it's, 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 uh, average grade is like 0.8%, uh, 0.8 grams per ton. So for one ounce of gold, you actually have to move like 40 tons of rock. Um, and that's what people say. Okay. Wow. This, this is really impressive. And then when I say, you know, all the gold that was mined throughout history of mankind, um, uh, that would fit into a cube of, uh, 20, 21 meters. Uh, and annual production of gold would fit in a, in a, in a cube with uh four four meters uh, uh length and 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 depth that those are those examples i totally agree that make people really think because everything you know or quantitative easing and quantitative tightening and um negative interest rates and repo agreements all that stuff and all the trillions that are printed people just don't get it anymore because you know they're the it's just just getting too complicated and and actually people are um <laughs> they are uh, that's perhaps a good point to to end uh the 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 uh, our conversation people are really 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 worried to to how do you say to to make ends meet and to 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 make money but um and and, and we're i think many people feel like in a hamster wheel because everything is getting you know faster and 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 everybody's super stressed out because he wants to make ends meet and 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 consume stuff that you actually don't really need perhaps also uh on credit but nobody really starts thinking about money and 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 why we're chasing money and and what money is and how it's created and how it's destroyed so that's a bit of i would say the the mission that we also uh, uh, have and, 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 and that we want to kind of educate people about uh, sound money with our reports. Beautiful. I love it. Ronnie, if my listeners want to get a hold of you, if they want to learn more about what you do, if they want to pick up In Gold We Trust report, where can we send them? Well, um, uh, of course, everything, uh, all our publications and information about our uh, our businesses are on our webpage, webpage incrementum.li. Li stands for Liechtenstein. Um, we are basically running five funds at the moment. Uh, there will be three new funds. Most of them are in the 
um, uh, uh, real assets uh, business, so mostly commodities, gold, mining stocks, physical gold. But we will launch uh, a cryptocurrency fund uh, in a couple of uh, weeks as well. Then we've got the research where we published in Gold We Trust report. You can um, uh, download all our 12 uh, reports on this webpage in the in the archive, and you can subscribe for the new report. Also, will be published end of May 2019. It's available for free, of course, in German, in English, and in Mandarin. Um, and then we also do uh, wealth management for for private individuals. Uh, yeah, that's actually what we're doing. I'm pretty active on Twitter. Um, at Ron Stoeferle is my handle. I, I, I tweet about Mac. You better spell that last name for us. S T O E F E R L E Stoeferle. That's a um, South German name, actually. Um, yeah. And one other question I didn't get a chance to. Just to put things in perspective, how many times was In Gold We Trust report downloaded last year? Uh, the last year we had 1.7 million readers. Um, so uh, I think it's, it's one of the most widely followed publications, uh, on gold. And that makes us actually very proud. And it's also a great motivation to, um, to put a, put in so much, you know, um, love, work, uh, so many hours. It's basically for a couple of months, we're 24 seven just working on this report to make it really special. And, and it seems that um, people all over the world nowadays really enjoy reading the report. We are getting um, extremely positive feedback from all over the world. Um, and that's, yeah, that's, that's the greatest motivation that, that one can have. Well, I definitely recommend every single one of my listeners to go out there and download this because it really is spectacular. And the fact that you're giving it away for free is just mind-boggling. This is an amount, immense amount of work that would have went into this every single year. And people pay thousands of dollars for this type of research. And here you are giving it away for free. So it's a great opportunity for everyone out there to learn more about what you're talking about. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it, Mikhail. Thanks so much for being on the show. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, Ronnie? Thank you very much. Uh, it's been great. I really enjoyed it. And yeah, all the best to you and, 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 and your listeners. Talk to you soon. Okay, I want to read you the reviews from the back of the book that some massively famous people in the international living space have wrote for me. See if you recognize some of these names, okay? So Gregor Gregerson says, In Expat Secrets, Mikkel elegantly describes the many benefits that accrue to those that choose their country of residence and provides practical and timely tips and examples for doing so. This book is a game changer. Leif Simon says, Having lived and worked overseas for more than a quarter century myself, I've seen expats make every mistake under the sun. Save yourself time and energy and learn from someone who has actually done it. Expat Secrets is the book to get you started in your international journey. Edmund John says, Having incorporated hundreds of companies for my clients over the last seven years, this book is very helpful for those that are starting out. And Michael Cobb says, A huge thanks to Mikkel for clearly written concise description of the international experience as lived by a true globe-trotting pioneer. Especially refreshing is the chapter on the benefits of raising kids overseas. As the father of two third culture kids, I can personally assure you that no education expands the mind more than growing up overseas. 
and my good friend David McKeegan wrote the foreword to this book. But I will let you read that yourself when you go to Amazon today and you purchase your copy of Expat Secrets. Thanks, guys. This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels. My friends over at serenitynewsletter.com have a special opportunity open to those interested in learning advanced investing techniques in the crypto space. This membership is of the highest quality and is run by a dear friend of mine who happens to manage one of the most successful crypto hedge funds in the world. Crypto is the future, and those who make smart plays now have an opportunity to earn life-changing returns. Go to serenitynewsletter.com to watch a special video presentation now. That's serenitynewsletter.com.